Well, my guest is Billy Joel. He's uh, got a new album out. It's called The Nylon Curtain. And it's if we discount the live album in the middle, it's been like two and a half years since Glass Houses. That's Has it a, been two and a half years? This is a long time. Wait a minute. That came out in 1980, right? Beginning off. This is 82 years. This is two and a half years. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And I'm Paul Lauren. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not A. With your friends, Elon and Dave. Welcome to Billy Joel A to Z, as another one bites the dust. And today we have the honor and excitement to talk about a true fan favorite album in the Nylon Curtain. The Nylon Curtain is Billy Joel's eighth studio album and was released on September 23rd, 1982. The Nylon Curtain came after a bit of a break after his three unbelievable smash albums that put him on the map as Songs in the Attic came out in between Glass Houses and the album we are discussing at length today. Recorded from the winter of 1981 to the spring of 1982, the Nylon Curtain only made it to number seven on the charts on November 20th, 1982, where it stayed there for three weeks. The Stranger had gone to number two, 52nd Street and Glass Houses, number one. The Nylon Curtain, being quite the departure from what Billy Joel fans were used to, just couldn't compete with groups that would define the 80s and then, of course, never be heard from again. Like Men at Work, which just hogged that number one spot for an unprecedented 15 weeks. So how is an incredibly ambitious passion project making a Beatles-esque concept album as a kind of a tribute to the recently deceased John Lennon supposed to compete with I Come From a Land Down Under? Or who can it be now? I mean, how is a heroin trip to Scandinavia supposed to compete with a Vegemite sandwich? How are lyrics like we dug in deep and shot on sight and prayed to Jesus Christ with all of our might going to stand up against who can it be knocking at my door? Go away. Don't come round here no more. How is a bearded guy holding a coffee cup and a copy of the New York Times going to compete with Pat Benatar in a sexy straitjacket? Is this the entire episode, Dave? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) The decks were stacked against this album, and yet he's Billy Joel. Doesn't matter what decade he's in. He's always going to give you a few hits. And when I say hits, I mean smashes. Allentown may have only gotten a 17 on the charts, but we all know or remember how popular it was. It was a huge hit, like we didn't start the fire off of Stormfront. Everyone knew it, and everyone loved it, and Billy Joel's the only one who can make a somber song with a catchy beat. The Nylon Curtain was nominated for Album of the Year, ironically with Paul McCartney and George Martin, who, you know, of course, he had asked to produce The Stranger, 
But they both ended up losing to the Toto 4 album. But we're okay with that because Africa is still an unbelievable mainstay as big as we didn't start the fire is. And if not for Alon's wife demanding it at her wedding, the Nylon Curtain may have won it all that year. It's kind of Alon's fault. It was actually, she didn't want it, but all of our friends wanted it. So we had to play it. Shut up, Alon. I'm just setting the record straight here. She listens to this. I wanted to throw your wife under the bus. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Throwing the whole Altman family under the bus lately. (laughs) This album only went two times platinum, which is nothing compared to his previous three and the one that followed. But it doesn't matter to us fans. This album contains some of the most layered and intricate sounds of any of Billy's work. Billy said that he wanted the Nylon Curtain to be an FM album. One that, which some of you may are too young to understand, Catalina, uh, but (laughs) one that you can listen to over and over again and find new things each time, as Billy had done with the Beatles' later albums. And I'm sure when we bring in the boys, especially Paul, he will tell you just that. The Nylon Curtain was a risk for someone coming off a, quote, rock album, but Billy Joel and Phil Ramone were on the same page for doing something different. Billy was equally as smart to make music videos for half of the songs in the album when MTV was in its infancy, taking another chance that music videos might blow up that left lots of people from his era behind because they didn't have the proper foresight. So let's get it started and do what the ads in 1982 asked of us as we listened to nine new songs behind the nylon curtain.
boys for this completely fascinating Billy Joel album. First, the native <laughs> New Yorker who will never understand the suburban life Billy Joel speaks of and the co-host of the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, Alan Altman. Hey, Dave, uh, I do think I understand the life because I listen to songs like Allentown. And so therefore, uh, I picture it in Billy Joel's eyes. And I just want to say about this album that uh, I love the Beatles and I love Billy Joel. So this is a really special album for me. Agreed. And this is a must-have today, as we desperately needed a musician to walk us through this album. So we are, as always, lucky to have Paul Lauren to join us once again. Hello, Paul. Nice to be here, but where's the musician? Oh, you're the the musician. (laughs) Exactly. No, and seriously, this is a big thing. Now, the general consensus 
among the fans is that the nylon curtain is Billy Joel's crowning achievement. I think we're all in agreement with that. This is a very special, very interesting album. I did ask Liberty DeVito to join us today for this album because I think his his insight would be insane. And here he is. (laughs) But no, he couldn't make it. He's actually performing as we're recording this today. He he had a very good excuse. So what are you going to do? But I am very excited about this album. I think it's really interesting. This is the first Billy Joel album I ever bought. I was obsessed with Allentown and Pressure. And as I was listening to it today in its entirety, boy, I'll tell you, that second side really is fantastic. It's uh it really plays as a whole. I agree. What a what a record. It's his masterpiece, right? Come on. I, I'm I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. It it really is a masterpiece. It's it's it, it because the stranger is the, the true masterpiece. We know that. It's because of the freshness, the new the newness and and discovering Billy Joel. So that's his masterpiece. But this is the masterpiece that you that a lot of people can't do after they've already had a stranger. This is a, a passion project that he, what the concept he came up with that I think he actually got his plan of what he wanted, whether it was commercial success or not. And yet, because he's Billy Joel, he had commercial success with an album that he couldn't have given a shit if it was commercially successful or not, because he was coming off a big three album run and songs in the attic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And a big live album. Right. And a very interesting live album. So taking a chance on that too, not putting out the greatest hits live album saying, no, let me show you some other songs. I think you're going to like that. You might not remember that I did because a lot of them were recorded at the wrong speed. That's also a risk. So two albums, two risks in a row ends up paying off for Billy. And then, you know, after this album, technically taking another risk and it pays off again anyway. Hmm. Do you guys think to put try to put a bow on it? Alon, do you think maybe that The Stranger was an unintentional masterpiece and this Nylon Curtain in some ways was his intended masterpiece, his intentional masterpiece? Yeah, definitely. Because just the amount of time he spent in the studio meticulously crafting this album, you know, this took six months. Um, I don't know how long The Stranger took, probably a, a few weeks tops, you know. So that was just like a combination of hitting the culture and the music and the the musicians right at the same time, all working perfectly. It was an accident that it worked. And this one was completely on purpose. And maybe it didn't get, even though Dave, you're saying it was a big success. It, Number seven after uh, all these number ones isn't that great. So it probably was pretty disappointing in that sense, but pretty good still. And for us fans, it was great. And do you think they spent more money on blow on the nylon curtain or on the stranger? <laughs> well, I would say probably on glass houses, which is why we got songs like Scandinavian skies on this one. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. I was just going to say probably on this one because it was the eighties. So yes, right. It's not a, the commercial success in Billy Joel standards. But again, if you have two big, at least just Allentown alone, you have Allentown. Allentown might not even fit on this album when all is said and done in the way 
especially if you think about that second side. But it very smart to just put out, well, this sounds good and we need a hit and here it is. And that sells the rest of the album of his the passion that he wants to put out to everybody. Let me tell you something. You were talking about the accidents. They say there were some happy accidents in recording of this album. The stark bark of the title during pressure came after Billy impulsively hit a button in the studio, deleting every other sound on the track for that short moment. (laughs) And on a room of our own, uh, a salute to stylistically to John Lennon, drummer Liberty DeVito accidentally began playing the beat backwards, but it sounded so good that Ramon signaled from the control room to keep playing it that way. So it looks like, like you said, there were some happy accidents that propelled this album to what it is today for us fans. And probably that's where it ends. Street Life Serenade is like this album, but not the way that this is a well-crafted album for a guy that's already put together a couple of successes. And Street Life Serenade is that a definite fan favorite, but in a completely different way, right? For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely only because it's a cult classic to fans like hold it in their heart. No one else does. But um, I would say like turnstiles could be the masterpiece. But there, there were definitely studio deficiencies. He didn't really get to do what he wanted to do in the studio with that album. Mm. And so I wonder what that album could have been like if he had six months to work on it with Phil Ramone. Six months and Phil Ramone. Right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a studio scurvy. They just kind of needed some OJ. And Phil Ramone was the OJ. I don't know. I'm reaching with these metaphors here. I'm just picturing OJ Simpson showing up and getting the guys going. Right. OJ Simpson showing up like, now get sit in that fucking drum section and start drumming. <laughs> Liberty. <laughs> Paul, would you like to start us off with a selection from the Nylon Curtain? Very excited. I don't think there's any way you can go wrong today with playing anything. I'm, all of this is going to be great. I, I'll start us off with the from the top um get your steam whistle ready get your metal clanking sound going and we'll get into allentown here we go one two three four factories down out in Bethlehem they're killing time filling out forms standing in line well our fathers fought the second world war spend their weekends on the Jersey Shore met our mothers in the US oh asked them to dance dance with them slow and we're living here and out in town But the restlessness was handed down And it's getting very hard to stay Gave. If 
so the graduations hang on the wall. But they never really helped us at all. No, they never taught us what was real. Iron and coke, chromium steel. And we're waiting here in Island Town. But they've taken all the coal from the ground. And they child had a pretty good shot to get at least as far as their old man got but something happened on the way to that place they threw an american flag in our face Whoa. Ooh, ah. well i'm living here in island town it's hard to keep a good man down But I won't be getting up today Russell Javers, everyone. I had such a good time singing along with my mic off. Very cool. I was doing the harmonies. Good. Well, at least someone was Alon. I was banging a metal pipe. You just couldn't see it. <laughs> Paul, don't even look at Alon. This guy, I don't know what his story is. You never know whether he's enjoying something or not. He's just like my niece. You have to be like, are you having a good time? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, can you tell your face? It's awful. I, what can you do? I've been doing two years of this with him. I never know whether he's enjoying himself or not. I quit. <laughs> you can take this job and shove it, Mr. Steel Mill. <laughs> oh man, that's great. God, I love that song. I really do. You play it so well. And even your ch ch was really good too. It was like really perfect. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm a little rusty, uh, dealing with some plumbing issues at the house. Yeah, some I rusty know. pipes of, of, in the voice and and the Speaking house. Of pipes. <laughs> rusty pipes was my old radio name in Philadelphia when I used to play this song. Rusty pipes with you. Here's Allentown. Uh, <laughs> no, Paul, of course, is kind enough to join us again. His house got flooded again. I, uh, I'd like to talk to your realtor. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, you would have been better if, like, well, there was a murder committed here, but uh, it's never going to flood. That would have been better. <laughs> I know what's what's worse. It's hard to say, but you really are a trooper. And, you know, he didn't cancel again. Paul is the best people, but you already know that from his singing. So let's uh, I'm going to read you, as we often do, the Rolling Stone interview. Everybody's favorite from 1982, October 14th, 1982 from Steve Holden. I think they liked it back then. Goodnight Saigon, the turning point of Billy Joel's ambitious new album, may well be remembered as the ultimate pop music epitaph to the Vietnam War. 
into a pastoral soundscape of sputtering helicopter ominous, ominously steals elegiac piano chords. What did I get that Ele- right? Electric, electric. That's what you'd like to think it says. <laughs> and elegiac. finally, what you're right, elegiac, yeah, elegiac right. piano chords. And finally, by Billy Joel's tight, wound up voice, higher and tenser than usual. On the word sharp, his voice becomes so fragile, it almost breaks. And on knives, it suddenly jabs in sharp, strobe-like echoes. He continues again, hesitant and sounding all of about 19. So this, he really liked that song. And then he goes on about Goodnight Saigon. While Goodnight Saigon is the nylon curtain stunner, there are other songs in which Joel's blue-collar smarts, Broadway theatricality, and rock attitude blend perfectly. Allentown is portrait of crumbling Pennsylvania mining city in which the American dream has died hard. Could be a scene from the deer hunter put to music like Goodnight Saigon. It's tune language and singing are all brazenly direct. And that directness is presumably what the album title refers to for in one way or another. The songs on this LP are concerned with the tearing away of protective emotional filters to reveal naked truths. But for every starkly descriptive song like Goodnight Saigon, there's another that teases with with ambiguous images and oral finery. While Billy Joel has long admitted to idolizing Paul McCartney, the Nylon Curtain's mixture of brutal directness and tantalizing ambiguity suggests the late 60s John Lennon more than McCartney. Surprises and Scandinavian skies boast Baroque, heavily synthesized arrangements in which Joel's singing is electronically distorted to sound as down under as Lennon's and Strawberry Fields Forever and I Am the Walrus. In Surprises, the singer views his own life and creativity as a series of deterministic changes. And in the eerily lovely Scandinavian skies, an airline tour of Europe conjures up a ghostly apprehension of World War II. Both cuts use elaborate production to enhance an air of mystery. And Scandinavian Skies, if viewed as a companion piece to Goodnight Saigon, suggests that Joel may see war and devastation as the inevitable future of a disillusioned world. The Nylon Curtain also has a chair of lighter, more conventional fare. In A Room of Our Own, Joel lists a couple's irreconcilable differences against a bouncy tap-dancing tune. And where's the orchestra? A wistful McCartney-esque curtain closer also keeps to a vaudevillian spirit. The album's only clinker <laughs> is the venomous Laura, which mines the same vein as misogyny a stiletto, but it's offset by the expansive love song, She's Right on Time. Coming after the frolicsome but forgettable glass houses, <laughs> burn. <laughs> the nylon curtain finds Billy Joel on higher artistic ground than ever before. Until this album, Joel's socially acute songs have been set mostly on his own home turf. Captain Jack, Piano Man, and Scenes from an Italian Restaurant defined the New York suburban milieu in bold, if occasionally awkward, strokes. On the Nylon Curtain, Goodnight Saigon and Allentown find Joel tackling subjects farther from home and larger than his own neighborhood, and they bring out the painterly side of him that has always identified with the master of American light, Edward Hopper. Instead of inspiring Joel's score in the way suburbia has done, they've challenged his eye and stirred his compassion. I think that's a probably the best glowing review we would ever get from Rolling Stone about Billy Joel, don't you think? Yeah, that was out of the ordinary for them. Stephen Holden right. wrote that. Well, you, I can't wait to do Glass Houses, where apparently they rip him a new asshole. <laughs> oh. You can only go up from there. 
<laughs> but it's also so on the New York Times in December of 1982, perhaps because the nylon curtain contained so many grim undercurrents, it hasn't sold as well as Mr. Joel's previous three albums. And then he says, or Billy Joel, one of my original title ideas, and I wasn't joking, was commercial suicide, Mr. Joel said. I've always had a problem with radio station formats. Stations that play chainsaw heavy metal perceive me as the guy who wrote just the way you are. They see me as a pop singer posing as a rock and roller, but I love rock and roll. I grew up on Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and Cream. That's what the New York Times had to say in 1982 as well. I guess saying that this album, I guess, said to the doubters like Rolling Stone, where it's like, oh, Jesus, Glass House, this guy thinks he's a rock and roller, said, hey, this guy's a real a real artist. He's doing something really interesting. And who knows if this was his plan to make an album like I'll show you. I think it's funny that he said he grew up on Led Zeppelin because they their first album was when he was 20 years old. But <laughs> yeah, all right, you know, he's, he's trying, trying to be cool, cool. trying to be young. That's fine. Roll, Rolling Stone uh, readers pulled this Billy Joel, the top 10 Billy Joel albums. This ranks as number five. And yet albumreviews.com ranks it at number two. So it's all over the place. And also the 40th anniversary of the album just passed last year. 40 wow. years. Yeah, wow. we're old. I think one reason why maybe it didn't sell so well has to be that terrible album cover. I mean, if you're in the store and you see this, why would you ever want to pick this album up? Okay, excellent that you bring that up. You're absolutely right. I mean, you could say the same thing, obviously, about the Stormfront album cover too. Now, he definitely did not want there to be a picture of him on the album cover. He made sure he's like, I don't want to be on the album cover. He meant, as he said, apparently the dryly generic cover art for Nylon Curtain to resemble a supermarket hardcover novel. He wanted it to look like a novel. Yeah, he achieves that. I, I saw another interview where he described it as a paperback book at an airport. Right. It's the Chris Ostopachuk that apparently came up with the design for the creating an album cover that looks like a book, even though the artwork was done by Paula Schur. And he said that he purposely didn't, purposely didn't want his picture on the album cover. The intended cover was altogether something else, but Columbia label head Walter Yetnikov nixed that. So who knows what it was that he nixed for this, which, as you say, is not a very conducive album cover uh, to make sales. But maybe Waltner nixed the back cover. Maybe maybe that was the original cover. Okay. This guy's drinking coffee. What the hell is this? So here's the, kind of a review of the album cover. Chris Ostapachuk's poster style graphic for the front cover uses a repetitive motive of the silhouette of a two-story home with a car in the garage. The image recalls that of the large-scale housing developments that emerged in the post-World War II era and were affordable to returning war veterans and their families. That's really interesting. I mean, yeah. makes sense. Like, it's Levittown. I mean, the cover that is Levittown. Right. He said one of the early models of these housing communities was Levittown, which sprouted up in Nassau County, Long Island, where Joel grew up. The inner sleeve graphic is much less subtle than the front cover, an enhanced oblique air photo shows rows and rows of indistinguishable split-level homes with little green lawns in the front yard and the back. And, of course, the back cover photo by Benno Friedman shows Joel playing the part of the successful suburban homeowner. With coffee cup in hand, he relaxes on the back patio, leaning over the sports section of the New York Times. 
an ashtray rests on the newspaper. The scene is reminiscent of the weekend ritual of reading the Sunday morning paper. The background of the scene consists of the green lawn, shrubs, and telephone poles of suburbia. Friedman's photo is a wry comment on suburban life, echoing Joel's lyrics. So it was a plan. I feel like the back cover was, I mean, I hear that, but I feel like Billy was probably like, yeah, if you want to come over, you know, come over to the house in Oyster Bay. And you he probably just was in his yard. It feels casual. I don't feel like it's posed at all, but, you know, who could be? I don't know. I think he had a plan for this album in every way. And if he indeed was trying to make his version of Sgt. Pepper, then it would make sense that he would also think about the album cover as that is such an iconic album cover. Yeah, but that's iconic. I mean, look, Dave, you've talked about how you used to listen to albums and you'd stare at the album cover while you were listening. And Sgt. Pepper is a great example of one that you could stare at for hours because there's so many things to see. And this one you could look at once and just toss away. There's nothing to look at. That's true. But I, I must have stared at his bearded picture with the coffee cup uh, like just for hours because I'm like, I don't know. He, he just looks so mature and cool in that picture. But I remember when I first got it, I'm like, what the hell is this? Remember, it was my first Billy Joel album. It was very confusing. Here's the best part about this. If you look uh, at the newspaper that he has open, <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious. It says Expo's top punchless Mets. Like, so it's it's also embarrassing for myself being a Mets fan. Uh, he really stuck it to me. That actual newspaper is the July 1st, 1982 edition. And the Mets lost to the Montreal Expos four to one in that. But the good news is, is that the Yankees also lost uh, that day to the Milwaukee Brewers uh, nine to seven in 12 innings. So it all made up for it. I think the big problem here is that like it's so unrealistic that someone on Long Island would be reading the New York Times sports page. That's the worst sports page. <laughs> Everyone knows that he would be reading the Newsday. Right. He should. I cannot believe he was not reading the Newsday. but. Like we said in that opening of the thing, or whoever said it in one of the reviews, he was expanding, even though it's still the New York Times. New York Times are known worldwide. So I think, I think again, a conscious effort. You know he wanted to read Newsday and plug Newsday. Hmm. But I think he knew, I'm branch, I'm not doing Levittown. I'm doing Allentown, even though I wanted to call it Levittown <laughs> badly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I think that's why he's reading the New York Times. But it's just so rude to do to Met fans to have that in the history just be Mets normal losers. So rude. Well, so that was July eighty two. What what July first release date on this record again? October of eighty two. Okay. No, September twenty third. Oh, September twenty third, eighty two. Cool. And that um that Nassau Coliseum live in Long Island. That's what that's like New Year's of that same year. So it's yes, right. That that was a tour out. for the album, I believe. Wow, cool. And then he basically goes to St. Bart's right after that and starts. Yeah, two yeah, that's life. right. <laughs> Everything then whole, changes. Then his whole life would change. Interesting. Also, uh, Alon, that day on June 30th, uh, Billie Jean King beat Tracy Austin in Wimbledon. I know you like tennis. You keep burying me over here. <laughs> Billie Jean King was 38. Tracy Austin was 19. She beat the crap out of her in three sets. <laughs> and that's all in the paper that Billy Joel is reading 
on the goddamn album cover. I love it. You never would have been able to see that if they didn't have, uh, you know, the Internet where you can really zoom in. And didn't Thriller come out in like October of 82, but didn't really hit until Um, 83. I feel like that hit right away. So I thought that was 83. Okay, but maybe you're right. Uh, Off the wall came out in 81. So you might be right. November 29th, 1982. Yep, you're right. Wow. Yeah, because I knew off the wall came in 81 and they usually do. You know, unless it's a smash like that, they usually have one album a year. And yeah, so, Paul, yeah. you're probably right because the lead single was The Girl Is Mine, which isn't great. And then Billie Jean was not until January 83. And that took off. So January The Girl Is Mine did okay. I remember, you know, I was there, obviously. And The Girl Is Mine, everybody loved oh, it. You were there. With Paul McCartney it was really exciting and it was a fun song and everybody made fun of it too. But then really it's that whatever award ceremony that was with the moonwalk that just bought it to the other stratosphere, uh, whatever that was. The That was a Motown 25. The Motown that, 25 that Barry, Barry Gordy, is that his name? or Yeah. Who asked him to, can you, you know, he's like, I'll do it, but I want a solo part. Because he's like, we want the Jackson 5 to come on. It's really important that they're on the Motown 25. He goes, yeah, I'll, I'll come with them, but I have to have a solo. And God, another guy banking on himself. When, is she walking around in a towel? No, it's a dress. Are you sure? Because it's very distracting. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that look like a towel, Paul? (laughs) I can't see. Walking around in a towel. You promise it's not a towel? Crying off the blur. She's. (laughs) I want to see it. She needs a room of her own. Hello. (laughs) I love when Alon's wife. She's right on time to interrupt the podcast. Oh, this is all gold. (laughs) Is your wife's name Laura? No, but we'll pretend that it is for tonight. Okay, I feel like a fucking fool now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Join us next week for part two of the Billy Joel A to Z Nylon Curtain album wrap-up. Rock star Billy Joel may be singing the blues now that his application to live in an exclusive Manhattan apartment building has been turned down. Could have been great. Could have been a contender. Let's go to the ranking. And so my number one song is. That is shocking. See you next week.